0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Rally. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the dynamic Joe Fordyce. Joe, I think we have a really fun Flyers Talk today because you talked to our very own Scott Hartnell, Flyers pre- and post-game analyst, of course, former Flyer, and you got some really cool insight from him. He played for both John Tortorella and Barry Trotz, Two guys that are definitely up for the Flyers head coaching job. He played for Trotz early in his career when he was with the Predators and then played for Tortorella towards the tail end of his career when he was in Columbus. So a great guy to get insight on these two head coaches. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn
1: more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Let's start with Tortorella. Joe, what was the overall impression you got from Scott Hartnell on Tortorella?
1: He really, um, every time I've talked to him, whether it's been yesterday or earlier in the season or just in previous years working with him, he, he speaks glowingly of, of John Tortorella. And the theme that always comes up is the um, the accountability that he, he sets a standard. And it doesn't matter if you're the best player on the team or you're the extra forward. Everybody has the same standard and everyone's going to do the same thing or they're just not going to play. And he mentioned yesterday when I talked to him how he benched Cam Atkinson, of course, now a flyer, but a, a teammate of Scott's on Columbus when he played for Tor, Tortorella. Atkinson, Atkinson was the team's leading goal scorer. He got benched um, for because Tortorella didn't like something he was doing. Pierre-Luc Dubois, Artemi Panarin. I mean, these are very proven high-level players in this league, and they were – subject to the same standard that John Tortorella sets for the teams he coaches. And I feel like, um, you know, he was very, I would almost say adamant that a guy like Tortorella is what this flyers team needs. They need, especially with the age of some of the guys on the team that they need a guy that's going to, um, you know, that's good. That's going to hold them accountable and going to say, this is how you play a team game. Um, And this is how you play my team game more specifically. Um, He did mention that he wished he had Tortorella when he was 18 or 19, which I find very interesting because I'm not sure that 18 or 19 year old Scott Hartnell would wish for a John Tortorella, but the Scott Hartnell who's reflecting on his career that says that to me, that's one of the things that stuck out to me. And he said that to me before. So, you know i i i find it i found it very interesting how high he is on tortorella and um you know we in the discussion and um i'll have an article on uh on our website um surrounding this discussion he he talked about how we got beyond the bluster everybody knows the bluster and the the sort of things that go on when cameras and microphones are in front of John Tortorella, you can find that anywhere. You can look it up on YouTube. You can look up his legendary spats with Larry Brooks from the New York Post um, when he was coaching the Rangers, and you know things like that. But we really got into what beyond what everyone can see, and uh, I find that I found that very interesting. Um, a really, 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 really good inside perspective on uh, on what what um what a coach like that and would bring to this city and to this team
0: Joe absolutely and I found it interesting too that he said Tortorella essentially changed the mindset from top to bottom of the organization when he was in Columbus and I, I just found that like I was just left saying wow like you know he he went in there and said, to management like we are going to win to ownership we are going to win like we are going to have a winning culture a winning mindset we're not going to feel like losers anymore um, I don't always think of a coach changing the mindset of ownership and management people that are ahead of him in the pecking order but he did that and I thought that's something that could be really good for the Flyers not that Chuck Fletcher doesn't win a win not that Chuck Fletcher doesn't want to win or that ownership here in Philadelphia doesn't want to win but right now there's definitely a losing aura around the Flyers. There's a losing vibe around the Flyers after what they've been through the last two seasons. I feel like a John Tortorello will come in day one, demand winning, demand that mindset going in uh, to, to year one, no matter what they have. And I feel like that's something that's appealing to him is that he can definitely get more out of less. I feel like he's done that throughout his career. Would you agree, Joe?
1: Yeah, I would say that because if you think about Columbus as he's changing the mindset, what's happening with that Columbus team? They're losing players. Yeah. They're losing guys like Artemi Panarin. And it, so it's not like we're going to change the culture, we're going to be about winning, we're going to be about this or that, go get this guy, this guy and this guy. In fact, it's almost the other direction. Yeah. Where they're they're Losing certain guys to free agency and sort of they're not at this advantageous position where they're um, necessarily a a destination Um, like a Rangers or, or, you know, I don't know, pick your teams around the league, the the, the Toronto's and the Montreal's and uh, Chicago, Boston, they're, they're a team that's kind of like off the beaten path. They're not a traditional NHL team. There's still a, a... When you take it from the perspective of teams like the original six, they're a new NHL team. I mean, you could find casual fans that don't even know, like, couldn't say, tell you anything about the Columbus Blue Jackets. So for him to go into that team and change that mentality, that to me really stands out. That's a, uh, that's a quite an impressive thing.
0: Yeah. We were looking at his resume and,
1: and they, and they swept. The Lightning, the year before they won the first cup, they swept the Lightning in the first round, and the Lightning had the best record in the NHL that year. So, I mean, it's a first-round series, but it's still the last team in the playoffs sweeping the team that had the best record in the NHL when virtually no one gave them a chance to win even barely a game in that series, let alone the series in four straight games. So, you know the idea that he could get that group of players to the mindset to be able to pull that off. And that lightning team is largely the same team that we're seeing right now. They've won two cups. They're in the Eastern conference finals. The core of that team is still intact. Um, I believe Ben Bishop was the starting goalie for that team. Uh, I can't quite remember. Vasilevsky was on the team, but I believe he was the backup for that season. Um, I may be wrong though, but, uh, but you know, that's quite a feat. I mean, th- this team is a, a, a turns into a dynasty, but before they were a dynasty, they lost four straight to John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets. So, I definitely think that's something that uh, you know gets people's w- would get people's attention.
0: We were looking at his resume, and as some people know, the Blue Jackets were birthed in two thousands. So they were an expansion team and really had difficulty getting into the playoffs, and when Tortorella took over, they had missed the playoffs in 14 of 16 years. So they had been to the playoffs only twice. Tortorella takes them to the playoffs four straight seasons. He was there for parts of six, but four straight years that organization went to the playoffs when they really didn't even know what that was like before he had gotten there. So it certainly tells you um, he, he rubs off on everyone. Wherever he goes, he has... His style, his way, and it rubs off on people, and that's leadership. And I think that's leadership uh, that you need. A lot of times, teams want to win, but they don't really know how to win, or they don't really have someone lead that that way. And I think the Flyers have players that want to win. I think they have people that want to win. But right now, I think they're kind of at a loss at how to do it, or they need someone to really steer it for, push it for. And Tortorella has that has that ability. He has that. He's done that. Been there, done that, without a doubt. Joe, I do want to ask you, I was very interested to hear Scott Hartnell say when he was 21, he would have loved the John Tortorella, as you mentioned. But looking at the pros and cons to to all these candidates, I've been a believer that I think he could be very good for some of the Flyers' younger players because they would certainly look up to him as, we will do whatever it takes to play the right way, win jobs, uh, get minutes. But do you feel like Tortorella would be good for young players Um, or maybe not good for young players? Where I'm going at is maybe would they play confidently under Tortorella? I wonder if young players sometimes don't always have the most confidence playing for a coach like Tortorella. Uh, That's something I've been thinking about. Uh, Would Flyers young players have confidence? Would they play freely under a Tortorella? It's something that I've been thinking about. I'm curious to get your thoughts.
1: Well, in talking to Scott, I kind of get the sense that the confidence is built by the ups and downs under Tortorella. Okay. You know, you build confidence. um, Let's take a guy like Cam Atkinson. He's a veteran player now, but he was a young player when he was playing for Tortorella in Columbus. And, you know, he gets benched and, uh, you know, Scott didn't mention specifically what it was he got benched for, but let's just hypothetically say it was not skating hard, missing a back check, something like that let's say you get benched and then the next time out on the ice you make those plays, I'm pretty sure there's going to be adulation to go along with it. And that's where the confidence, you know, you're here, then it's here and then it's here. Uh, It's, it's like a parent to a kid. I mean, you, you know, you correct them or, you know, you guide them in the right direction and it might be in harsher terms, but then, when they go and do it, you kind of go over the top to praise them for learning a lesson, and I think that's where confidence comes from. And there are some players like Sean Couturier and guys that have been here, and and Cam Atkinson's a player that knows Tortorella and can be a leader, type of a leader. And and those those guys, I think, will be there to lift up the player, the young players. Maybe if their confidence gets hurt by something with Tortorella. So it's not just a, it's, it's, it's not just a coach to the players and there's no other factors. So that, that would be the way I look at it. I mean, of course, there's probably would be some guys that might go the other way. I mean, there is in all situations and, you know, let's be honest. He, uh, he got fired by the Rangers and then he got fired by Columbus. And this, the sense was he wore on the players after a while And when you think about other situations, like, uh, Peter Laviolette, he's a guy that has this reputation, like sometimes like his, um, his style and and sort of his, uh, like his hard nose team style kind of wears on the players sometimes. And then he kind of like wears out his welcome and then he's gone. That was a little bit the sense you got here in Philadelphia with him. Um, and then it was kind of the sense you got with, in Nashville uh, with Peter Laviolette. And I think the same um, remains true with John Tortorella. Tortorella is a little more fiery than Laviolette. He's also won less than Laviolette. Laviolette's taken a number of teams to the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, so, you know, there's that, there's that kind of comparison that can be made. But... And I'm, I'm not trying to use, like, the obvious cliche here, but, like, winning cures all that. So if you're winning, you're not going to be wearing on the players. Um, so, but, I mean, you could virtually make that claim for any coach. If they're not winning, their style is going to wear out on the players. We saw it happen here with Elaine Vigneault. I mean, the bubble playoffs, nobody was talking about his style wearing off on the or, you know, wearing on the players. So, you know. It has a lot to do with results. It's, and, and this is, of course, a results-driven business. So um, that's really the way to uh, – job security kind of comes with results in all sports.
0: It's true with those old-school coaches. Um, when they're at their best, their peaks are very high, like Stanley Cup final high – winning titles high, always in it high. Uh, but when they finally come down, they're quick to be gone because because of those styles. Those styles eventually rub off, especially when times are bad. Uh, that, can, that, can, that can certainly uh, fizzle out quickly, and suddenly there's no buy-in, and you can lose a locker room that way. Uh, but, boy, when those old-school coaches are at their best, People are responding, teams are winning, and everyone's happy, despite a coach being hard on the players. But it, I was thinking about the whole confidence thing under John Tortorello because, to me, there's a science to benching a player. Uh, how is that player going to respond? What kind of player is he? Does do, Some players do respond better to a benching. Some don't. Um, and that was something I was thinking of with John Tortorello. If he was going to be hard on young players and older players, how would those players respond Everything goes into that, and I think that's something the Flyers will evaluate closely of how would John Terrell fit this roster with younger players and older players. Uh, he, you know, Torello might get the right response early, but will it have staying power? Uh, I think well, I, might- you know,
1: what you just mentioned there too is another factor. So let's take a take a young player like a Joel Farabee, and I'm not saying Joel Farabee does anything that warrants benching, but hypothetically, let's say a Joel Farabee gets benched. But if Joel Farabee gets benched for not doing something or, or, you know, not performing in a way, whether it be a practice or a game um, that Tor- John Tortorella wants, but he sees a guy like a Cam Atkinson or a Sean Couturier also get benched for something, that young player's mind says, oh, well, he can get benched too. It's not just about me. It's not me being a young player it's it's everybody held to the same standard and i think as long as that is visible across the board that can work and i think that helps that confidence factor that we spoke about earlier as well
0: absolutely and i don't envy the position of the flyers because i think they're really they're really going in depth on what they need for the roster like do they want more of a hands-on players type of coach do they want more of an old school demanding type of coach obviously all styles work differently Uh, And then sometimes they don't. It's often, you know, as we said, it's cyclical in many ways. But I think that's why they're taking their time because there's really no rush. And I think you want to make sure you get the right fit and the right style. Uh, For benching, I just remember one that comes to mind recently was Travis Konechny when Vigneault benched him uh, during the shortened 56 game season. Konechny, I think at the time, I'm almost positive on this, was a point per game player. He had about eight points through eight games but he had one game in New Jersey where he wasn't great. Bigneault was bothered by a few of his decision-making, uh, uh, a few of his decisions, and he benched him. And I don't think Kinecti responded to it real well. Uh, I don't think it's not – it wasn't the player not wanting to respond to it. I just think it messed with his head a little bit. And Connecty didn't seem the right – he didn't seem like himself the rest of the way. He wasn't the same scorer he was. He was off to a point-per-game pace, as I mentioned. And then his scoring dipped, and he just didn't seem like the same guy. And I just don't know if it messed with him, but it just had me thinking about benchings, uh, benchings having a different impact on players. Um, but I do think Tortorello would get uh, – his presence would have an instant impact on this roster, and I do think it would be good for the blend of the youth and the vets, where the Flyers are right now in their situation for sure. Stopping into great railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, Joe, shifting gears to Barry Trotz, who Scott Hartnell, as we mentioned, had him in Nashville earlier on in his career. Trotz has gone on to do a lot of good things. He was very good in Nashville and then obviously won a cup with the Capitals and really took the Islanders from being one of the worst goal prevention teams in the league to the best and really close to that Stanley Cup final Approving guy. What did Scott have to say about Barry Trotz and what were your overall impressions there?
1: Well, I've mentioned on this podcast before about uh, Barry Trotz's ability to get uh, the most out of a team that doesn't have a superstar scorer. The current Flyers roster does not have a superstar scorer. Uh, so I asked Scott about that, if it fits. And he mentioned in Nashville 20 years ago, When Scott was a young player, they didn't have a superstar scorer. He got them to the playoffs. We saw what he did with the Islanders twice. Now, of course, in Washington, where he won the cup, he had plenty of superstars. But I'm going to focus on a player that he had in Washington that we totally shifted um, our views on, uh, and it all started under trots, and that's Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson was a a third or a fourth-line player. It was a guy that uh, most hockey people would consider if you went into a game with Washington before they won the Stanley Cup. uh, I I would say most people would consider him a nuisance on the ice. Um, Some people may still do that, but it's definitely different. Um, He was kind of a checking line player, like, look out. He's going to have a lot of penalty minutes. Watch out for this guy. Always know where Tom Wilson is. Barry Trotz took over. And Tom Wilson is uh, has morphed into a player who also who plays with that edge, but he can play on the first line, and he's now played on the first line under multiple coaches with Washington since Trots left. And I, I just look at that and I say, okay, so he got he I'm not going to say he changed the perception. Of Tom Wilson because I think the 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 shenanigans that go on on the ice with him I don't think that perception has changed but in terms of his hockey skill the perception of this guy has completely changed and I'm wondering how I'm wondering what he could get out of some of the players you mentioned connect me a player players that are let's say. I don't want to say they're definitely underachieving because I don't know that we know they're underachieving, but players that we think maybe are underachieving, I think Konechny one of them for sure. Also a guy who plays with an edge. Now he's not big and he can't run around and hit guys like Tom Wilson, but he's got that Tom Wilson-ish edge to him when he plays. And when he's playing his best, he's playing with that edge. I'm just wondering what a coach like Barry Trotz could get out of a guy like Konechny. So you know, that that was what struck me because I find it interesting the rosters that he won within Nashville and more particularly the Islanders. And Scott brought up how he had Matt Barzell buy into more of a team game. And it basically changed the whole complexion of their team. And I found that to be very interesting.
0: I did too. And Scott Hartnell mentioned how his Nashville teams weren't loaded uh, when he was there. And Trotz got a lot out of them. And that's something that really struck me because, Joe, I feel like these Flyers, they have a talent efficiency problem. They don't have enough talent on the roster. Now, maybe they can eventually fix that, or maybe some of their young players will certainly up the talent level and eventually blossom into big-time difference makers. But there's not enough talent on the roster. Chuck Fletcher even admitted that and admitted that that's something they want to address. But right now, that makes Barry Trotz so attractive to me, in, in my mind, in this situation because he gets a lot out of less and that to me could go a long way for these Flyers because they simply don't have enough talent right now, but they have enough. I think that they could be way more competitive than what they were this season, way more. Uh, I think they can be in at least contention for a playoff spot under Barry Trotz and with the the people they have on this roster, but that really stuck out to me, Joe.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that's kind of like the – it's almost like the the under-the-surface storyline here is, hey, this guy wins when a roster may be a little bit short on talent. And, and don't get me wrong. Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, these guys are good players. Matt Barzell, obviously. I don't think the Flyers have anyone that's close to dy- as dynamic as Matt Barzell. He's one guy, though. And Anders Lee is a great captain. But these, these are not guys that, you know, Anders Lee's not going to score 50 goals next year. Yeah. Josh Bailey isn't going to have 100 points. Brock Nelson's not going to have 100 points. But these are guys, and we've seen plenty of the Islanders over the last few seasons against the Flyers. These are guys where you're like, these guys just don't go away. They're always there. Like Brock Nelson's always there against the Flyers. And Anders Lee, I mean, he was hurt last season, but – you know, these guys are always there. And you you feel like you're it almost feels like these guys are double shifting the whole game because they're always there. Yeah. And their contributions don't always go up, show up on the score sheet. But one thing you can always say about this Islanders team, and particularly when they were under Barry Trotz, they were never easy to play against, ever. And I think that's been a theme with this Flyers team is that they've been easy to play against since the bubble playoffs. They've been an easy team to play against.
0: Indeed, and I think the one thing that should jump out and catch the Flyers' eye when they're looking at Trotz's profile is the year he took over the Islanders. The season prior, New York had given up the most goals per game in the league. Trotz's first season, they were the fewest goals per game in the league. That's astounding. You just don't see that in year one. You might see it improve a considerable chunk, but to go from worst to first in goals against is astounding, and the Flyers have a goal prevention problem. Over the last two seasons, the years they've missed the playoffs these last two years, 3.56 goals per game, which is tied for worse in the league. So to me, Trotz could come in and immediately correct that or at least really improve it. And that Islanders team didn't have the splashiest offseason. They got better. They they made some quiet moves, but they didn't go out and get any studs and give Trotz all of a sudden this talent-laden team. Uh, they were a team that got better. Like better at the margins, and then Trotz really molded it. So, to
1: me, yeah. That- and if you think, if you look at even the island that the the blue line on those Islander teams, I mean they they didn't have outrageously great defensemen. I mean they had Nick Letty on those teams. They have uh, Adam Pellick, Ryan Pullock. These are solid defense. They're solid defensemen, but they're not guy. They're not Victor Hedman. It's not you know. It's not like they have John Carlson like he had in Washington. They're solid defensemen. Scott Mayfield. They're guys that are uh, – they play a solid team game. That's really the theme we've been talking about with this podcast is they play a solid team game, and it's not about putting up points or joining the rush. It's about playing that game and 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 being solid and, and being based around not allowing the puck in the back of your own net. And, um, you know th- – the flyers need the flyers need every bit of that right now
0: that was the first thing scott said to you joe and you asked him mm-hmm. what are the aspects that make barry trotz barry trotz and he said system oriented detail oriented uh all about this system uh of playing the right way and that's what well, i feel like that's the first word i think of with barry trotz is system he gets guys to play exactly how he wants to play Tortorella, you hear that too, but you hear more about like demanding and that I think the way he deals with players and handles players gets them to play the right way. Trotz, it's more like it's his system. It's Mm -hmm. We're going to hit on all these details, and that's how we get goals down uh, for us. So that really struck me. To me, Joe, in my mind, I think if Barry Trotz wanted the job, I'd give it to him. That's kind of where I am. I've grown – um to start warming up to the Tortorella thought and I think he's very much in contention for the job but I just think Trotz is a great guy I just don't think you see many guys like Barry Trotz on the coaching market but I think the problem is there's other teams looking for coaches too I believe it's six including the Flyers that are that have a head coaching vacancy so they're I think battling for a lot of teams but Trotz uh to me just seems like an ideal fit Joe
1: yeah I I think so too and um You know, I said this when when he was coaching the Islanders. um, They reminded me a lot of the 90s New Jersey Devils. Now, take out Martin Brodeur, who is, you know, a Mount Rushmore goaltender of all time. But that Devils team didn't have guys that were scoring 50 goals. They didn't. They had solid forwards uh, and solid defensemen. Scott Stevens, a Hall of Famer. I acknowledge that they had an all-time great. But Scott Stevens was on the back end of his career when he played for the New Jersey Devils. Um, still was a great player, but so they had him and they had Scott Niedermeyer, another guy who ends up in 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 the Hall of Fame. Great players, but they didn't they were not lighting up the score sheet. They were playing a defensive style. They had a great goaltender. They protected the house. That's how they won and became A mini dynasty, and you know, that's what Barry went when the Flyers played the Islanders so many times over the previous two seasons. They reminded me of that in that they seemed to just suffocate the life out of a game. Yeah, um, you were down one nothing, and it felt like you were down four nothing. Yeah, um, and that's what I remember about the '90s New Jersey Devils. So if you I think any fan would sign up for winning in a more boring fashion than losing, in a fashion where you're giving up five goals a game. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I always remember too with the Islanders, Joe. They were never out of a game. Like they no. never, they seldom got blown out. Seldom. And I remember the Flyers will go up maybe one nothing or two nothing, and I'm like, wow, that's a pretty decent start for them. And you think they're in a comfortable spot and then suddenly New York chips away at it, and all of a sudden you're in a dogfight. Like, it was just, they were never out of a game. And one thing I will say is Chuck Fletcher always admired the way Trotz and the Islanders played. Since day one of taking over the Flyers job, he has been an admirer of that style and that way to play and really what Trotz does. So it's interesting. The whole head coaching search has been very interesting because I think you're seeing a lot of candidates for the job, a lot of guys that bring different qualities, and the Flyers, for the most part, have been close to the vest on exactly what they want. So it's, it's made us all kind of ponder and think about what exactly they're going to look for in this next head coach. But a lot of quality candidates out there, and I think Tortorella and Trotz are two fun ones to really look at. Joe, this has been great. Everyone, you, will, you can catch Joe's article out on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. We'll have all this insight from Scott Hartnell in his piece and we'll have it up on our website NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com but we wanted to break it down all here on the podcast Joe thanks so much for the interview and for breaking it all down it's always been great seeing you and chatting with you and we'll have plenty more to go here as this coaching search continues a big thank you to Ben Berry our podcast producer and guru for always being flexible with our time and Flyers fans of course thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.
1: One, two, three,
0: four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> Auto Trader.